garbage time. Do we go ahead and say it's the best game of the year? Can we can we just so put far, that one down? So far, I think so. So far, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Wild game. Absolutely unbelievable. It was so fun that it went the distance and beyond. You know, it was one of those games that you just kind of felt deserved overtime. Uh, the reps were very heavily involved. We were deep in the rule book in the late stages of this game. Two big franchises going head to head and taking a ride down to the wire. Absolutely, it was emotional. I was at the, I'd say emotional. I was at the game, I was up, I was down, I was cheering, I was booing. And the coaches, both coaches were really coaching. The guys were yelling at the reps, they're yelling at their players. And what, just what a game. But the thing that stood out for me was that we're saying one of the best games of the year, but the fact that the reason it was one of the best games of the year was because yeah. of a botched call <laughs> and two missed free throws. So maybe not the best picture of basketball. And it really should have been decided in regulation. Mm. The Dally and one should have been there. You know, you can say in a variety of different ways. And Jordan Usher had the two free throws. In the end, per in overtime, came out and made all the big plays. Ah, yes, that is a grab from the popular MBL breakdown show, MBL Overtime. Thank you very much to those guys for letting me use it, although I did not even ask their permission, but they broke it down perfectly there. Welcome to the Garbage Time Basketball Podcast for another week. I am Rodney E, your host, and I'm going to be breaking down last week's games in the NBL, round six of NBL 24. Let's get stuck into it now. Let's go. Ruben Tarangi checks in. For some minutes for the Phoenix, Ben Air, Gajak Gat, Brown and Creek. There is the casket. The ball movement. They're getting on the floor. This is what you're talking about, Rowdy. First guy to the floor. First time it was Harrison. Now it's Sam McDaniel. And uh, Tyrell Harrison forgot who he was for a moment. And then he... As that's a fantastic move and finish by Gary Brown. And, and, and take things more as they come. We've been able to develop that. Tonight he's been over there. The scoring is Bannon. Goes straight to Creech. And that's a good start from the youngster. That's a veteran play. I do. And right now, Chris Smith left one fly. It pays off. ATL three ball. As Bannon steps out, hits threes. He's celebrating with the crowd. Having a fun night. There were so many fouls committed in that first seven or eight minutes. Brisbane really have been in control. And every time, Southeast Melbourne looked like they were going to make the run. shot from Kenyon. It doesn't matter. The Brisbane Bullets, 16-point winners at home. All right, so first game of the round in round six of NBL 24. The Southeast Melbourne Phoenix take on the Brisbane Bullets up at Nissan Arena in Brisbane. And it's the Bullets that prevail. 16-point winners over the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Now, the Phoenix had a shocking first quarter of this game. Committed 10 team fouls in that time. Mike Kelly admitted to getting very frustrated at the referees during that first quarter, was able to compose himself and his team to allow them to make a run during the game to get back in it somewhat, but they weren't able to pull off the comeback. Standout performer for the Phoenix was Gary Brown. He had 25 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists and 4 steals. He was excellent for the Phoenix, doing everything he could out there to try to get them the win. Mitch Creek, 20 points. Shot terribly from the free throw line, 7 of 14 from the stripe. Had four rebounds, an assist, and a steal. It really was free throw shooting that let Southeast Melbourne Phoenix down. They missed 15 free throws and shot 27 for 42 from the free throw line for 64%. That is not good enough for an NBL caliber squad. Alan Williams, 14 points, seven rebounds. 
four assists in this one, proving that he can facilitate the offense a little bit from the center or power forward position. Craig Moller continuing to show that he's one of the league's leading offensive rebounders, only the five points, but six offensive rebounds to give Southeast Melbourne some extra looks. Uh, Will Cummings a little bit down in this one. He had 12 points and three rebounds, not quite stepping up there. They didn't get much help off the bench either. The Phoenix, it was the Brisbane Bullets that were way too good across the board. Chris Smith, 14 points and four rebounds. Aaron Baines has returned. But one thing to note here is that he has lost the starting spot to Tyrell Harrison, which I think is a good move from Justin Shuler, the coach at Brisbane there, shuffling things around a little bit to find their ideal lineup. But Aaron was still... Pretty effective in this game, 12 points, 8 rebounds. The injection of Sam McDaniel, the increased role that he has been assigned by Justin Schuller, is paying off on the defensive end. McDaniel seeing 27 minutes in this game, 4 rebounds, 2 assists and 4 points, but it's his work on the defensive end that is very valuable to the Brisbane Bullets. Nathan Sobey had 13 points, 4 rebounds and 2 assists, playing a support role to Josh Bannon, as it seems in the offense during this game. Bannon, 17 points, 11 rebounds and two assists. One of the standout young Australian players in the league. Unfortunately, he had to miss a few games at the start of the season, but he is coming on strong for the Brisbane Bullets right now. Mitch Norton played almost 32 minutes in this game, 10 points, shot one from 11 from the field, uh, had six rebounds and nine assists, playing his role despite not shooting the ball very well from the floor. It was Brisbane Bullets as a team just out hustling Southeast Melbourne Phoenix uh, throughout the course of this game. And ultimately, their work on the defensive end is what got it done for them. The final score there 108 to 92. Southeast Melbourne only outscoring Brisbane in the third quarter, every other quarter belonging to the Brisbane Bullets who continue their good form in NBL 24. Clinton for three, and he knocks it down. They got, they got hoopers, baby. With a two-point lead now on that three, and there's Clinton. Here we go on the open floor. Clinton with the flush. What a start for Bobby Clinton. The next star timeout to the breakers. Still this two-point advantage for the Taipans. Lamb, aggressive. Ah! And then he's fouled. It counts. Anthony Lamb. Jackson Cartwright strokes 10-3. Oh, my goodness. Turnover. Wardenberg, another one. Delaney. There's three Taipans around him, and he squeezes it in. Finn Delaney. Oh, man, with another shot. This time it's a three. Allen, Rusevicius stays inside the double as well, forcing that step on the sideline. Lamb feeling it one. Turnover, McDowell White swoops in. It's vicious to his right. And puts it up and in. The next side with the end one. Wardenberg stepping through. Does it count? It does. It does count. The shoot. Man on him. Crossover. McDowell White off the glass and in. Will McDowell White feeling it now? Tough catch from Metiang. Who spins and flushes it down. That's the athleticism. With a 91-81 win here at Wolfbrook Arena. And they're getting a nice round of applause from this Christchurch crowd. Right oh, So next game in round six of NBL 24. We had the Cairns Taipans traveling to New Zealand to play the Breakers. At Wolfbrook Arena, the Cairns Taipans welcome Taron Armstrong into their starting lineup. The 6'5 Tasmanian point guard didn't play so well in his first game. He did get to the line eight times, hitting five free throws, scored seven points, had three rebounds and assists and a couple of steals. He is only going to get better. He showed he's more than capable of holding down a starting point guard role in the NBL. Just another young Australian talent in the NBL this year that is sure to impress. Lat Mayen almost played 36 minutes for Cairns in this game. He scored 18 points 
points, had seven rebounds, five assists. So since that altercation with Aaron Baines earlier in the season, he has only seen an increased role on the Taipan squad. Sam Mordenberg not firing from the field in this one. Eight points, six rebounds and five assists. Bobby Clintman continues to see his minutes increase, playing 29 in this game, had 17 points, Six rebounds, few too many turnovers, proving that uh, he is a little bit too impulsive on the offensive end when it comes to playmaking and facilitating the offense. But he will learn to play his role better as the season goes on, I believe. Bull almost all 40 minutes in this game as well, being that Patrick Miller is still out of this lineup. He had 18 points, three rebounds and an assist, and also a couple of blocks. He has an extremely long frame and is a very good two-way player in the NBL. The Cairns Taipans are stacked for guys that play both ends of the floor and have a lot of length. And Bullquell is just another one of those players. Uh, no Chajir McCall in this game. Sam Menenga logged almost 19 minutes, had eight points and seven rebounds. Yeah, just not quite enough production on the offensive end of the floor for Cairns. They went 17 for 24 from the free throw line for 70%. That is not going to get it done in the NBL Uh, Not that the New Zealand Breakers were much better. They went 13 for 20 for 65% from the free throw line. The poor free throw shooting across the board in the NBL continues. I'm not sure what that is all about, but the league as a whole, in my opinion, needs to get better at hitting free throws. The next star, Mantis Rubstashvicius. I still can't say his name right. He had 11 points for the Breakers and was a plus 18 in the plus minus overall. He is starting to see his role increase as part of the New Zealand Breakers coming off the bench and proving to be quite effective. Will McDowell-White goes 6 for 10 in this game for 14 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists and a couple of steals. Thankfully, that shot is starting to fall for him now. Anthony Lamb was the standout for the Breakers in his 33 minutes, had 19 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, went 7 for 12 from the field, 3 for 7 from 3-point land. He was much more aggressive on the offensive end and proving that he can use his size in the NBL to get it done around the basket as well as shoot from range. Isaiah Liafa and Parker Jackson Cartwright shared the point guard duties. They both went 50% from behind the 3-point line. Liafa 4 for 8 and Parker Jackson Cartwright 2 for 4. 13 for PJC and 14 for Liafa sharing the ball, sharing the point guard duties and proving there is a lot of team chemistry that has been built on this squad. They have not lost faith in each other at all, despite losing a few games. They're starting to find form, especially at home now. They're going to be one of the toughest teams to beat. And I'm pretty sure we're going to see their win-loss record start to reverse as the rounds go on here. Cairns outscored the Breakers 23-21 in the first quarter. But it was all New Zealand after that. They win the game 91 to 81 over the Cairns Taipans at home in New Zealand. And there's Jordy Hunter elevating for first points. Nice start. Is Wat Noi. And the and one. It counts. Hung Jung Lee called for the foul now. Yeah. The follow up from Tui. Watch Mullawatch, 13 points. Here's Jalen Adams, the league MVP from seasons past. It opens up easily. Causing a lot of problems. Here's DJ Hogue delivering from a long way outside. Everyone touches the ball. They get a good shot. They share the ball. Case in point <laughs> as Kawat Noi. Now, Glover beautiful. The feed was spectacular. The finish assured from Glover. Oh, look at that from AJ. Johnson. Does Rentoy get another look? No, it's Angus Glover. He's four from four against his former club at home in the gong. Time expires. Okay, next up, the Sydney Kings travel to the Win Entertainment Centre to take on the Illawarra Hawks. And it's a big win for Sydney, 103-83 to after a 32-18 to third quarter from the City Kings. The Illawarra Hawks shoot 5 for 20 as a team from the three-point line. They had some very bad lapses during this game. 
especially in that third quarter. Dyla Harvey goes one for 11 for a overall field goal percentage of 9%. So that's not going to help very much. Uh, wasn't able to do much. Obviously targeted by the defense of the Sydney Kings. Coach Mahmoud Abdel Fattah mentioned in the press conference that it all starts with defense for the Sydney Kings. They have no trouble on the offensive end generally, but need to commit on the defensive end to get it done. Also noting in his press conference after this game that he does most of his coaching during practice to give the team confidence and he'll go for long stretches during games, letting the guys play without a timeout so that they can figure it out. He trusts his players on game day implicitly. Jacob Jacobus still has rotation problems with this team. Despite an excellent game by Gary Clark, he had 23, going 8 for 13 in this game. Also had 7 rebounds and a couple of steals. Sam Froling, 13 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists. Had a decent game. Didn't see much of AJ Johnson, despite a few flashes of brilliance. He had a couple of buckets. Dan Greeter, eight points and four rebounds and a couple of steals. Not quite finding his groove either. Justin Robinson, only 10 points for this game. Went two for eight from behind the three-point arc. Not providing enough support to Gary Clark on the offensive end. Yeah, still uh, some rotation problems there for the Illawarra Hawks. Still struggling a little bit with committing defensively. Too many lapses in the game, and you can't afford to do that against a good team like the Sydney Kings, who are the defending champions of this league. They are going for three in a row. They had no trouble traveling away to get the win over the Illawarra Hawks. Just a note about Jonah Bolden for the Sydney Kings. I've mentioned before on the podcast that I'm struggling to figure out what role he has on this team. He is the team's leading rebounder despite averaging about 17 to 18 minutes a game, which is pretty incredible. Plays a very different role to Jordan Hunter, who generally holds it down at the center spot. But the minutes are basically split between those guys. DJ Hogue, now that he's back in the lineup, he can fill in at the five spot. He saw about 20 minutes, as did Alex Tui. Denzel Valentine, the minutes were spread across the roster for the Sydney Kings. I think I would like to see Jonah's minutes ramped up. Perhaps the Sydney Kings need to take a chance with Jonah and Jordan Hunter on the floor. Should mention that Makuak Malawak, there's my best attempt at his name. Uh, he had a standout game for the Kings against the Hawks here. He had 16 points on 6 for 7 shooting when 4 for 4 from behind the 3 point arc and also had 3 rebounds. He was excellent in this game. Bit of a breakout for him. Watnoy, 10 points. Three rebounds, four assists. Jalen Adams, 16 and seven assists and a couple of steals as well. Denzel Valentine, 10 points, six rebounds, three assists and three steals. The Sydney Kings really did commit defensively in the second half of this game and that's what got them over the line. They get the win by 20 at the Win Entertainment Centre versus the Hawks. I'm not able to talk here, Pete, because I'm not the most pursued of customers in the world, but Anthony Drimmick looks a different man, clean shaven. Speaking of clean, Jordan Crawford pulls up. Sobe the pull-up. Bang! Boys, it's a fight ball. Now here in Launceston where the Jack Jumpers are one and three and they're doing the business early as Crawford skates inside, can't get it to go. Krizlovich keeps it alive. Doyle from way downtown, hits it past. Isaac White there to go off the glass. And Doyle goes right back at him and just gives him a little bit of a stare there. Harrison with a little floater. Game, you see him ready to check in right now because they are literally playing four and four and telling Sam McDaniel to not let Milton Doyle touch the ball. Meanwhile, Tyrell Harrison is putting on a clinic. Daniel continues to pile the pressure on Doyle. Doyle finds some separation. Drives inside. The floater will go and the foul. Ten points tonight for Mitch Norton. Almost a triple-double. On Thursday with 10-6 and 9. Here's Lee putting a lead on. Now McDaniel, the former jack jumper. Is this who we want the ball with? Against his old side. Two seconds on the clock. Can't get it to go. And Tassie holds on. Defend the island. Don't argue with the refs. Play hard and never give up. That is the culture in Tasmania. For the Jack Jumpers, I'm paraphrasing there from Scott Roth. 
after the game versus Brisbane. An excellent game. Went right down to the wire. Brisbane had chances to win it. The Bullets have played four games in the last nine days. They did look a little bit gassed at the end of this one, but they still gave themselves chances to win at the end of the game. Nathan Sobey, 18 points in this one. Six rebounds and a couple of assists. Tyrell Harrison was the standout for the Bullets. He had 20 points on 7 of 8 shooting, putting on a clinic inside the restricted area and proven he may be one of the most improved players in NBL 24 and the Bullets certainly appreciate the effort he's putting in. The triple-headed monster as Justin Schuler has coined it. Aaron Baines and Rocco Zakarski playing at the center spot for the Bullets as well. Uh, clearly playing a backup role to Tyrell as it stands, which has been a brilliant coaching move from Justin Schuler. He has helped turn that franchise around so far in NBL 24. He did admit in his post-game presser that he would have liked to have got Chris Smith in in the last two minutes of this game to give them a bit more of a perimeter threat. Josh Bannon... He saw another 30 minutes in this game, had eight points, eight rebounds, three assists. One of the most outstanding young Australian players in the league. Mitch Norton also 10 points, three rebounds and three assists. Uh, Sam McDaniel played 30 minutes, steeing up on Milton Doyle, but it was Milton Doyle who got the cookies. 24 points, three rebounds and a couple of assists on eight of 16 shooting he went four for nine from downtown and exploded in the third quarter to give the Jack Jumpers the edge. They scored 34 to 21 in the third quarter. This game being played at the Silverdome in Launceston, where, as you heard, the Jack Jumpers have gone one and three in the past. They give the crowd there a win. On this occasion by two points. Jack McVeigh outstanding in this game as well. 13 points and a couple of rebounds. Marcus Lee didn't foul out and has adjusted his play to improve his contribution to this team by being available at the end of games. Jordan Crawford went 4 for 21 in this game, shooting 19% from the field uh, and had 11 points and 8 assists. Still playing an effective role at the point guard position. His poor shooting percentage was inconsequential. Scott Roth mentioned inserting Jared Bairstow, who was not included on the team sheet apparently before the game. Bairstow came on and gave the Jack Jumpers a spiritual lift at just the right time. Clint Steidel came off the bench and went three for four from behind the three-point line for nine points, giving them a bit of a scoring punch there. The minutes were a bit more spread for the Jack Jumpers, and they hold on despite a couple of decent chances from Nathan Sovey and Sam McDaniel in the final two minutes. The Jack Jumpers hang on to win by two in Launceston, 87 to 85. Wildcats certainly bringing that energy early. On the defensive transition, but I love Webbs to push the ball in transition and up in the tempo. They go back down to Humphreys. What's a contact? No foul. Didn't hit the rim, so the Silivic from a mile out. That didn't hit the rim either. <laughs> Trev said CJ Bruton's found a group that's working for them. Cal aggressive to the basket. Timeout, Perth. Came up oh. with it. What a pass for Sterling. Oh. Unbelievable play from Trey Cal. Let's have another look at this last play. That was just great hustle. Throws it to the ring. And we've got an easy bucket on the ring. Usher for Cotton. <laughs> Wonderful offense. And that's what Usher's got to do. Ball in the hands of Cotton. You knew what was going to happen the moment Bryce Cotton got the ball. Dang, that's all muscle memory. That's what he does. <laughs> they keep the Wolves away from the door. After a tumultuous week, winners 99 to 88. The Perth Wildcats play with great pace and they get the win over the visiting Adelaide 36ers. Perth have had a tough run so far in NBL 24, but they are seemingly turning it around after this performance. 
defending home court against Adelaide. Perth Wildcats out-rebounded the Adelaide 36ers 46-35, including 21 offensive rebounds. The lineup was shuffled a little bit as well. Hiram Harris inserted into the starting lineup. Corey Webster's minutes curtailed and Jesse Wagstaff's minutes increased. Also, Jordan Usher playing off the bench for John Rilly's Wildcats. He finished with 17 points on 6 for 10 shooting. Had four rebounds and a couple of assists and a couple of steals as well. Much bigger effort from the Perth Wildcats starting five to rebound the basketball. This is the area of the game they have needed to improve and there was a concerted effort to do that. Bryce Cotton, easily the standout player in this game, 29 points, with 6 for 14 from behind the three-point line, getting plenty of looks, his teammates finding him regularly in the offense. He also had four assists and a steal, finishing a plus 23 overall. The Adelaide 36 has put up a good fight. They really did, but they weren't able to hold off the Perth Wildcats. Just got to mention Alex Saar, the next star. He is projected in NBA mock drafts to go number two in the draft next year. Who knows whether he actually will or not. He had 10 points in this game on four of six shooting. Also had six rebounds and Played very well in the minutes allocated to him by John Rilly. Ty Webster still saw around 22 minutes in this game. He was praised for upping the tempo of the offense. I thought Perth also transitioned into defense quite well, allowing them to keep the Adelaide 36ers at bay. For the Sixers, Trey Kell, 25 points. He also had five rebounds and six assists. Outstanding game from him. Isaac Humphreys was kept a little quiet. Ten points, four rebounds. Didn't quite have the impact on the game that coach CJ Bruton would have liked. DJ Vasiljevic, 14 points on three of nine from beyond the arc. Also had three assists. Jason Kadee, 11 points and a couple of assists playing a decent role off the bench. We didn't see Trenton Flowers much in this game. We did, however, see a bit more of Tory Smith-Milner, who went three for four from behind the three-point line, adding some scoring punch off the bench. Alex Starling, who has been DNP for a number of games for Adelaide. He saw 12 minutes and played with great energy. CJ Bruton seemingly following the format of rotation that John really did by inserting one of his lesser used players to try and generate a bit of energy off the bench. But Adelaide simply could not compete on the boards. Now praise to both teams for shooting 87% and 90% from the free throw line. This is a change of pace from the rest of the NBL so far at this season. Free throws being hit. Let's hope that becomes the new trend in the NBL. I see far too many missed free throws from all teams at various stages and uh, I think it's something that needs to improve across the board. Not in this game, however. It was a win by the Perth Wildcats. 99-88 to at RAC Arena. John really breathes a big sigh of relief. His game plan, his rotations, his coaching decisions are paying dividends finally and Perth are back in the winner's column. After this, they face Melbourne United later in the round, and we'll get to that review later in the podcast. Up up down to 10. Good move from Wardenberg, and then did a nice finish. Him? Did he just shake him all? I think he did. What I think he did. That's a, that's a bit of a roll of it. Into it. Have another look here, the passing. Oh, he got him. Oh, it didn't do a whole lot, but it still counts. I don't know if you're not happy about that. You'll probably guarantee Burgers at some stage in that. If Matt Kennedy goes for another one. Yeah, that's what you wanted, Pete. Yep. Now Creek, you're going to be aggressive. Draws the foul and the basket. Creek to finish. A big third quarter by the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Because look how far back he's going to try and stand. And that's Armstrong. exactly what can happen. Takes full advantage. And there is Armstrong coming with the rebound. And then looking to push the tempo. Puts a little shimmy on. Fella. And here he comes, the young man. Seven-point lead. It's sort of hung around this margin since midway through the second quarter. And Tarangi 
Clever finish. Thought about stepping back, but saw the length of Wardenberg in there. Williams! Points all counts! The big man dominating again. Putting on a classic on a Sunday afternoon is Clintman. Again with a nice feed. And that's the way to make sure you finish under the basket. And continue to build in this season. Off the back of Source Williams. A big double-double. All right, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix back at home versus the Cairns. Taipans in front of 7,500 strong at John Kane Arena. That number was mentioned a number of times in the Mike Kelly, Mitch Creek post-game press conference, citing the crowd as a big reason that they got over the line in this one. Mike Kelly shortened the rotation, the majority of minutes going to seven players, and it was Mitch Creek having a massive game. 21 points and 11 rebounds, including five offensive rebounds. He had a big game. Alan Williams had a big game as well. 18 points and 15 rebounds, including six offensive rebounds. He is the leading rebounder in the competition. And it seems now he's getting a little bit of help from his teammates. And they are out-rebounding their opposition in the last couple of games. Cairns not quite getting to the boards with the same consistency as the Phoenix, uh, Craig Moller chipped in with nine rebounds as well. Gary Brown, 14 points, eight assists, and three rebounds. Mike Kelly noted his team attacking the paint with more consistency as well, and citing that as a reason why they kept the pressure on the Cairns Taipans. The score was quite close through the majority of the game. Less than 10 points was the margin for most of the time. And yeah, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix scoring 52 of their points inside the paint. Taron Armstrong in his second game for the Taipans, 12 points, four rebounds. He shot four for five from the field and was much more efficient in his second game for the Taipans. Uh, the minutes were spread across a few more players. Adam Ford mixing up his rotation a little bit in this one, but uh, Bull Qual still playing the majority of the game. He finished with 11 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, Sam Wardenberg, he also had 12 and 2 rebounds, 2 assists. Bobby Clintman with 10 and 5 rebounds, but no Cairns, Taipans player getting over the 12-point mark in this one. Lat Mayen, he also had 12 and 6 rebounds, but they just didn't quite get it done at the offensive end, shooting a 41% field goal percentage overall. Horrible free throw percentage for both teams, 65% for the Cairns Taipans, 70% for the South East Melbourne Phoenix in stark contrast to the Perth Adelaide game. Uh, this was a physical game. It was a very competitive game for the most part, but the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix completely outplaying the Cairns Taipans in the end, and the Phoenix continue their run at home. They continue to be unbeaten so far in NBL 24. Tajir McCall played in this game as well, shooting horribly from the field, only hitting on one for eight shots and going six for ten from the free throw line. He did have 10 rebounds, but that was the majority of his contribution. Coach Adam Ford admitting there are some things to work on for Cairns, rebounding being one of them. Desire to doing the one percenters were lacking for the Taipans. They didn't quite have the intensity that they have been able to maintain in previous games, but they look forward to going back home for their next game and giving their home fans a much greater effort. Patrick Williams still missing from the Cairns lineup. Not sure the timeline on his return. Yeah, not sure what else to say about this one other than the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix winning final score there, 91 to the Taipans, 78. We waited until round six for our grand final rematch. And it's a series that will go down in NBL history. Jackson Cartwright scores in the opening 15 seconds. Now watch full of confidence right now. Career high night on Friday. Steps in, lines it up, gets a rhythm right. Pow from three. Shot clock switched off. McDowell-White for three. Big time from Will McDowell-White. Time here for Sydney. Hope from deep. Got it away. 
Six and a half minutes remaining in the grand final rematch. Jackson Cartwright from deep. Jackson Cartwright flies down the other end. Now he relocates for three. Got it. Parker, Jackson Cartwright standing up big. Ho gets to work. Misses from underneath. Back out for Bruce. It drops. The game sits with him right now. Wonderful D from Sean Bruce. Sydney survives. In an epic contest at Kudos Bank Arena. We had to wait until round six of NBL 24. But finally, we get the grand final rematch from last year. The reigning Sydney Kings take on the New Zealand Breakers at Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. And in an epic contest, the Sydney Kings take it out by two points in the end. Big plays by Sean Bruce at the end of the game defensively, plus hitting the go-ahead three. He provided a lot of toughness on the defensive end down the stretch for Sydney. Different guys stepping up at different periods of the game. DJ Hogue finding his form for Sydney in this one. He had 18 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists and went 4 for 8 from 3 point range. Other significant contributors were Jalen Adams with 12 points and 9 assists. He shot a poor percentage from the field, but provided excellent leadership throughout the game. Denzel Valentine had 11 points, 5 rebounds and 3 assists, doing his part offensively to keep the score ticking over for Sydney. It was a great team effort as mentioned by Mahmoud Abdel Fattah in the post-game press conference. He has full faith in his squad, even when they're down with only minutes to go to get it done. Alex Tui chipped in with nine points. He had two rebounds and an assist. The numbers don't really show his importance to this starting lineup of Sydney. He is definitely sticking there. Angus Glover came off the bench for nine points and two assists. He hit some big threes at important moments during the game. Modi Mayor says that the New Zealand Breakers have full confidence in Parker Jackson. Cartwright, despite what I viewed as some questionable decisions by PJC at the end of the game, choosing not to pass the ball in the last 13 seconds and force up a long-range bomb from three-point land to try to win it, despite it looking like there may have been other available options on the floor. Uh, Finn Delaney had 10 points and 5 rebounds. Will McDowell-White had 11. He shot 5 for 9 from the field. His shot is starting to drop now. He also contributed with 8 rebounds and a couple of assists. This was a hard-fought game between both teams. Anthony Lamb definitely carried the offense for the New Zealand Breakers, he had 29 shot, 9 for 18 from the field, including 2 for 4 from 3-point land. Also went to the line 12 times, hitting 9. Uh, he also had 7 rebounds in the game. It was a epic contest between last year's finalists. The game certainly delivered some very tense moments. And New Zealand, unfortunately, put it down their record at the moment probably does not reflect how well they are playing. They have had some tough games. They had that trip to the US. Uh, they currently sit ninth in the overall season standings with two wins and five losses, but they are certainly better than their record suggests. They are still without Zylan Cheatham as well, definitely missing his contribution as good as Anthony Lamb is playing. The next star for New Zealand, Mantis Rubstasvicius. Yeah, I am not going to get his name right. I am definitely saying his name incorrectly so far this season, but he contributed quite valuably off the bench 
and had 15 minutes in this game. Only the six points and three rebounds, but he is starting to see a little bit more court time in Modi Mayor's rotations. The game went right down to the wire. It really did give the fans of the NBL everything they expected, and we're sure to see another hard-fought game later in the season between these two squads. Sydney held tough, and they get the result in front of 12,000-plus at Kudos Bank Arena, and they take the game on this occasion 87-85. to 85. We don't see that too much too often at this level. Gibson, his first bucket of the night. Cotton on the tear. There's a foul. Points will count. Keanu pinned the showing his range. Saar was pointing at where he wanted the ball to go when he just tried to get into Saar. And vintage Cotton at the other end. Right back on track. Been a wild ride tonight for Usher. That's a nice take. Perth desperately trying to get the ball back into the hands of their number one man. Cotton. Successful, loose ball, Wagstaff comes up with it. Seven seconds, Usher, Jordan Usher, a dagger. Final play of the game, Delamid over, trapped in the corner, drives, lays it up, he's down, and and won. Incredible drama. Jordan Usher. Misses the second. Oh my God. Bowen got a shot away. Or just dunked it. Alex Saar with the jam. The composure of the big man is a bucket at this end. Good look for Golding. They tick the box. They had to make some changes. And the changes have worked. The Wildcats stare adversity in the face and go 2-0 on the weekend. Just like that, the Wildcats season is back on track. And in perhaps the game of the season so far, the Perth Wildcats travel to John Kane Arena to play Melbourne United, the league leading team at the moment and they managed to come out on top in overtime. The story here goes like this. Luke Travers injured for Melbourne United in the first minute of this game. Not long after, they also lose Ian Clark, who looked to have tweaked a hamstring which could spell trouble for the United squad. We are unsure as to the seriousness of that injury, but it did not hurt the quality of this game as it was a nail-biter throughout along with some questionable calls by the referees. Also, questions raised regarding the review system and how the NBL handles coaches' challenges, which Dean Vickerman pointed to in his post-game press conference. He was very careful with his words, but in essence was saying that the coach's challenge does not necessarily reward the coach or the team should the call be deemed incorrect and overturned. It seemed like Delavadova was fouled in that final play that Melbourne United had to tie the game. He should have been going to the foul line for an and one opportunity and wasn't able to due to the coach's challenge that was taken. Call was deemed incorrect on the floor and overturned, but it did not result in Matthew Delavadova going to the line to potentially win the game on a free throw. So many questions were raised during the week regarding the coach's challenge. I don't think the protocol will change as a result just yet, but it seems that the protocol does need to be tweaked should the call on the floor be deemed not accurate. Anyway, let's get to the players and some stats for Melbourne United. Luke Travis and Ian Clark going down. Definitely put the pressure on Dean Vickerman to adjust his rotations. Joe Lawal Achul Jr. finished the game with 25 
points. He was the standout man for Melbourne United. He also had 10 rebounds, a couple of assists, a steal, and two blocks. He did foul out in the game, but clearly he did everything to try and help his team win. Matthew Delavadova coming back from that concussion protocol definitely stepped it up and was very aggressive on the offensive end, equally on the defensive end. He finished the game with 23 points. He also had four rebounds and six assists. Many still think he should have gone to the line to potentially win the game for Melbourne United at the end of at the end of the fourth quarter. Chris Golding, 19 points. He went four for 15 from behind the three-point line. The defense has been stepped up by the Wildcats. The Perth Wildcats out-rebounded Melbourne United overall, especially on the O-boards, grabbing 17 to Melbourne United 9. A significant lack of playing time to Ariel Hookporty suggests that he may have been injured during this game as well. However, there was no official indication of that. And it was Christian Doolittle actually stepping up for the Perth Wildcats. He had 18, 7 rebounds and 5 assists. Also had a steal. Keanu Pinder started the game on fire. Faded a little bit towards the end, but definitely provided a valuable contribution to the Wildcats' offense and Defense. Jordan Usher playing off the bench, 12 points. A couple of offensive rebounds to go with that. He hit big shots from behind the three-point line, especially in overtime where he hit a three to put it out of reach for the United squad. Alex Saar, the next star, the potential number one pick in next year's NBA draft. He had 17 points, six rebounds, and a steal and a block. He was very productive for the Perth Wildcats and he continues to be a matchup nightmare for opposing teams and also continues to show why he is the standout next star in NBL. Jesse Wagstaff logged almost 24 minutes. It was noted in the post-game press conference by Christian Doolittle acknowledging Wagstaff as their coach with a jersey on, motivating the team helping them to keep their spirits high even when things get tough and players get into foul trouble. His minutes have been upped in these last two games for the Perth Wildcats, and it seems to be making a difference to the players on the floor. Uh, Bryce Cotton had 24 points on 5 of 17 shooting. Melbourne United was able to hold him to 1 for 6 from the three-point line. Cotton shooting a very good percentage from the free-throw line, going 13 for 14. Uh, He also had 6 rebounds and 3 assists. He continued to fire away despite not hitting a high percentage. Uh, It didn't matter for the Perth Wildcats. They stuck it out. They knuckled down and they get the away win against the league-leading Melbourne United. Coach really is unfazed by the outside noise. He believes in his team, the culture they've built, the lineup they have in place, and has the ultimate faith in his roster and rotations to give his team the best possible chance to win every week. We thought we'd seen the best game of the round in the game previous to this one between Sydney and the New Zealand Breakers. But this game, for me, clearly topped that. It had all the drama, questionable referee decisions, big shots from the best players on both teams, adversity with players going down with injury. NBL 24 continues to deliver the quality on the floor. No one knows who's going to win week to week. We're six rounds in to the season now, and there are still multiple favorites for the championship. I believe it's impossible to pick at this stage of the season, but it's evident that the Perth Wildcats are clearly turning it around after a horrid 
start to the season. They, again, look like one of the powerhouse teams, one of the favourites to upend the Sydney Kings campaign for a three-peat, and they win against the odds on the road against the league-leading Melbourne United team. The final score there, 102 to 95. Who knows where we're going in NBL 24? It's a wild ride, and I encourage everyone listening to this podcast, if you're not watching the NBL, or if you're only casually watching it at this stage, lock in, buckle up, because it's going to be insane from here. So there you have it. That was round six in the NBL. We've got round seven starting tomorrow night. And wow, we have had such a drama field and exciting start to NBL 24. I am absolutely stoked to be covering it this year exclusively here on the podcast. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who is listening, new listeners, old listeners. Don't worry, all the other boys are still on board. Stay tuned after the outro music for a little bit of a grab of the unreleased episode of this podcast where we broke in a new member. Unfortunately for Chris, we couldn't broadcast that episode due to some audio issues, but I guarantee you in the very near future, we are going to be putting together a collaborative episode covering all things basketball, NBA, NBL, whatever else in between. Follow us on the social medias, Instagram at GT Basketball Pod. Haven't been too active there in the last couple of weeks, but yeah, life's just getting in the way a bit, guys. I'll be back on there soon. My stupid head in front of some basketball videos. We're also on Facebook and Twitter or X as it likes to be called now, also on TikTok. And we're, of course, available via all the best podcast aggregators on the internet. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And I'll speak at you next week. I'd like to make a special announcement. We have a new member of the crew and I'm going to introduce him right now. We've got Chris Walsey here with us. G'day, mate. How you going? Good, man. Thanks for having us. First time, long time. You've been listening to us a little bit, so you know you know how this show runs. It's pretty much a free-for-all. And tell us a bit about, you know, your level of interest in basketball and just anything else you want to quickly mention, man. Well, I played uh, for a better part of just under a decade as a teenager and a kid. Played at a relatively decent level, sort of just shy of VBL, kind of for juniors, 16s or 15s or something and uh been a tragic celtics fan for most of my life uh with the yeah. exception of the of the first few years of getting into basketball where i was just a bandwagon uh, magic fan just because of the shack in the pinstripe jersey it was very attractive to me as a kid classic uh, nba uniform that one. Oh, pinstripe era. The, the jerseys were just so much better. But yeah, so I got, you know, got in through that. And then my uncle was a devout Larry Bird fan. I think more so than just the Celtics in general. And so I found all this Larry Bird merch around my grandma's house. And yeah, so Celtics have been the... I, I've breathed more or less the Celtics for the last five plus years and been nothing but disappointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, got their – they're sort of an almost team at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. I've sort of been riding that with you as well since we met through uh, DJing and music. Um, I confess to you that I was a massive KD fan before he left OKC and I decided to start following the Celtics basically because you did and I knew that uh, we'd um, have tender about it. And uh, oh, Absolutely. I'm glad somebody else has been there with me to share the pain and scream at the yeah. TV during playoff games. We've shared plenty, uh, plenty of time getting disproportionately upset <laughs> by watching the Celtics. Absolutely, we may have to do as part of this podcast. Yeah, no, it's good to have you on board, man. It's, uh, 